The Frequency 49 show is brought to you by Niner Empire GB. Welcome to the Frequency 49 show. I'm Paul MacDonald and alongside me today are Deepak Gohill, Simon Holdsworth and Michael Wandy. Hello, guys. Hi, guys. Hi, everyone. Hey, everybody. Uh, you may have seen a recent post by Cat Victorino where she announced to the group that she is, in fact, a secret Cleveland Browns fan and that her chasing Jimmy Garoppolo has been an effort to tempt him away from the Niners. All I can say, Cat, is memorise his words. Fonte Mac, no matter what. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> In all seriousness, Kat's been dealing with a medical issue over the past few weeks. And I'm sure I speak for all of the group when I say all of our thoughts are with you, Kat. She's scheduled for surgery within the next 24 hours of this recording. And we all wish you a speedy, complete recovery. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you've got this, Kat, thinking of you. Yeah, we are. We hope you get better real soon. Absolutely. We need you back on this podcast. <laughs> right, The second game of a doubleheader on the East Coast saw the 49ers head to Atlanta to take on the Falcons. The game kicked off, and from there it all went pear-shaped. While you may remember that last week, all of us on the podcast did predict that it would be a game with a bigger than 10-point margin, none of us would imagine the game would go this way. It was clear from the outset that our defence was completely mismatched, and our offence simply couldn't pick up the slack when relied on. On top of the injuries we already had, we saw more picked up in the game to add to the 49ers' woes. Guys, what were your impressions on the game? Deepak, let's go with you first. Oh, boy, I don't even know where to start. I think, um, on reflection, I think the 49ers kind of did what we were doing when we recorded that show and didn't really respect Atlanta and... Uh, I think it's fair to say that Atlanta did to us what we do to other teams. You know, they were really up for it. They stopped our running game, but imposed their running game on us. And, uh, you know, take nothing away from Atlanta. You know, we were injured, etc. But they did their homework. They really, really wanted it. They, you know, <clears throat> played high percentage football and executed very, very well. And, uh, you know, let's be honest, they were good value for the win. We were never going to crawl back to that game. Went two touchdowns down, pulled it back up. And then that third down, the failure to stop that third and 12, where Mariota just went for it and ran with the ball. That was the end of the game, as far as I was concerned. And that was still in the first half. Yeah. Sorry, guys. I was just going to echo your sentiments there, Deepak, really. I mean, I think for me, what was really telling that it was probably a game too far for the plastering over the cracks with the injuries in the defence, particularly on the defensive line. Um, the big strength that we've had uh, in, in, in the recent years, really, is our ability to rotate those defensive linemen. So there's an element of freshness about them. Um, and obviously, due to the injuries, people were playing a lot more downs than they used to. Um, and Atlanta just gashed us up the middle. You know, they run it straight up our gut. Um, there were holes appearing, which meant that the linebackers had to overcommit, which left space in behind. I mean, Mariota didn't make an incompletion, I don't think, until the fourth quarter, but he was only throwing sort of five and six, maybe 10 yards maximum because there was space in behind because we were trying so hard to plug those gaps on, on the line of scrummage that, you know, there was just space behind there. 
it was a game uh, that finished 28 to the Falcons, 14 to the 49ers. A game that the 49ers never, ever took the lead in. Michael, do you think that the, the, the defence was just lacklustre, wasn't it? I know that we are stricken by injuries this season. And whether you can put the whole thing down to us not having both there, we aren't a one-player team, but not having both there seems to have a massive effect compared to the week before in Carolina. Sorry, sorry, but not having Bowser is no uh, excuse for that game. Um, the, 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 the defense, the whole defense, and not only Bowser, is the number one defense of the league, uh, or was the number one defense of the league until now. And uh, they just, uh, as uh, Stepak said, they didn't respect Atlanta. They, I, I think they went into the game with too much swagger and that too much swagger uh, basically killed the, the team, especially the defense. And then um, and then you have uh, an offense who, uh, this time, it wasn't Jimmy's fault that we uh, didn't p uh, put points on, on the map because both interceptions weren't Jimmy's fault. Uh, it's 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 the receivers didn't do their job this time. Uh, yeah, they, those, those passes were right right on the money. Yeah, and they like, they, like they dro dropped balls. They uh, deflected balls, and uh, you never uh, deflect a ball up up high in the air. And they did that, and in the end, Jimmy paid the price with another interception. Yeah, I think you know, <clears throat> we, I do echo Michael's. Uh, observation there. Uh, you know me, I'm always one to say Jimmy this, Jimmy that, but really he didn't do anything wrong as such. Yeah. Um, two drops that were unforgivable and one, I think it was um, a Brendan Ayub long game that was called back. Um, I think with his first interception, and again, this is something that is a Jimmy thing. He was intercepted on the sidelines. He's not really a guy that likes to throw towards the sidelines is more of an open field thrower. So, and we were chasing the game at that point, trying to get something on the board before we left the ended the second quarter. So, a lot of things like that were were against him. But you know, look at his stats. Yeah, he got a couple of picks, but that's not why we lost. You know, this it would be extremely unreasonable to put this on Jimmy Garoppolo. I think I think you have to put it on Shani this one. It's, what is alarming is our we don't have a quick scoring offense. We just don't have it in our makeup. And when we're behind late in the game, we we just don't. We haven't got the ability to score quickly. We build drives like there was a drive. Was it eight minutes in the fourth quarter? We ended up with no points. Yeah, just, 16, just 16, the game. sixteen plays uh, in uh, eight minutes and nothing to show for it. That that is really really. Very, very poor. And I read a stat somewhere that we've got the, one of the lowest percentages of coming back from a two-touchdown deficit in, in the fourth quarter or the third quarter. It's, it's painful, but I, I think you're right, Simon. I think this is more on Shanahan than, than anybody else, you know. Certainly from an offensive perspective, because that's really his domain, isn't it, even though he's their coach? Yeah, but I mean, again, all things being equal, we've got how many? 11 starters out, all of the defence, seven on, on the defence. But even then, you know, 
I don't think we would have won that game, even if everything was firing as it should have been. They they hit a rhythm and they knew what they were doing and they wanted to win the game, you know. And I think they beat us with desire rather than skill, you know. They they wanted it so badly, but they did execute very very well indeed, you know. That they were uh, worthy winners. I don't think we can really complain. They they out forty nine at the forty niners. They did. I think. Um, I think they carried the ball forty times. Okay, when you do, <laughs> when you when you when your defense is facing forty rushing plays, it's going to demoralize you badly. You know, it's gonna it's gonna really really hurt. You know what I mean? And um, you, that defense was exhausted by the end of the game. It was absolutely knackered. And you know, I think there was a lot of pressure on the defense to make a big play. I don't think we picked up a turnover in the game. I could be wrong. Look at this. No, we didn't, you know. And <clears throat> yeah, it's one thing to expect the D to keep making a big play, but, you know, they're only human at the end of the day. Uh, and this was a game, really, that the offense should have contributed more, and they didn't. We were dominated. Our rushing game was taken from us, and that was the end of that. Well, what really didn't help was Jeff Wilson with his fumbling again. He's got real ball security issues. He he blows so hot and cold, and you know, the, our, our, we we establish everything on the back of the run game. And obviously, that fumble that was returned for a touchdown, I actually thought he was down by contact and his elbow was down. But yeah, that agree. gave them that gave them a two score lead. And you know, from then on, Kyle really abandoned the run. He didn't seem to have any confidence in it. I think. We only ran the ball 16 times, which for a Shanahan offense and what we've seen over the last few years is just, it's, you know, less than half of what we normally get to see. So, you know, maybe that influenced things, you know, not having Trent Williams in the run game really affects it. But we were just so inefficient and so lethargic, I thought, that we looked. Um, You know, even the running backs hitting the ball, they were hitting the line, you know, stutter stepping into the line. It was just all round, an all round bad day. But, uh, I wouldn't put it all on the missing run game. Uh, the thing is, uh, the the passing game was working. I mean, uh, Jimmy uh, Jimmy's passes were really good this uh, that, that that day. The the problem was that his wide receivers uh, let him hanging and uh, dropped balls. I mean, no no one would have asked about a missing run game if those wide receivers would have wouldn't have dropped the ball that much. Uh, we we still would have won the game, um, and uh, that it's yeah it's easy to say we we uh, we had no run game, but um, the the thing is an offense is not only a passing game or it's not only a running game it's both. And if the one uh, part of the offense has problems in this case a running game, the other part has to step up. And our wide receivers didn't step up. They they even uh, drop the ball, and that's the greatest problem. Um, because sometimes you need the passing game to to open uh, lanes for running, and uh, yeah, it it, did, it didn't happen. And uh, that's uh, that. I don't I, I don't put it all on Shani too. Yeah, Shani is uh, since since he lost two Super Bowls, he's uh, quite the defensive coach. Um, in in his uh, pl- uh, style of play, he uh, doesn't make any risk anymore. But uh, I mean, if 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 your offense, uh, if they take away one thing, 
the other players have to step up. And that's a problem we, we have. Uh, our wide receivers, except for Debo, never step up when we need them. And offensively, we seem to have had this problem all season where if the, if the defense is flagging a little bit, the offense just can't seem to take up that slack. We are relying primarily on the defense to win us games. Yeah, and I think, you know, if you look at the games we've played so far and the quality of competition, that's not a blight on any of those teams that have beaten us. But a team that's expected to compete for, for a championship should be putting mm -hmm. those sorts of teams away. And teams like that will normally have, you know, a dominating defense like Chicago did in 85. But when the defense is having a bad day at the office, etc., or whatever, the offense is ready to pick up the baton. And, and take over. We do not have an offense that can do that. You know, we've, we've seen it against, uh, let's be honest, right? It is mediocre opposition. Denver, Chicago, Atlanta. These are not the sort of games a team that's competing to be the best in its division, in its conference, should be losing. It's a whole new, it's a whole different ball game on Sunday against the Chiefs. It's a whole new level. And if, if we can't get some bodies back and if we can't shore up the things that we're sadly lacking this week, we are going to get, well, it's not going to be pretty, let's put it that way. Do you know what, though? Didn't we say that after the Denver game and then we had the Rams next and we... And well, that's true. Rams, you know, and, and I actually think this is a trap game for Kansas City. Yeah, I think that I, I would not at all be surprised if this 49er team came out with a win at Levi's on Sunday night. I really was yeah. surprised. You know? Yeah, I mean, I mean, for me, there was only two real, real bad drops. There was the Ray Ray McLeod one when he was on that deep ball, and then the Charlie Warner one, which I'm not really sure what Charlie Warner does. He just seems to have a penalty and a drop in him at every single game. But I mean, one of the plus points was was Debo uh, and Brandon Ayuk. Obviously, I got the two scores. But uh, do you see the stat about Debo's forced nine missed tackles already this season? And no wide receiver has ever had more than 13 in a season. Unreal. You know. Oh, sorry. Sorry, it was nine missed tackles in the game. Yes, in the game, yeah. In the game. Yeah, Ego's wow. got 20 on the season so far. <laughs> it's just bonkers, isn't it? He just yeah, yeah. runs over people. But that... What are your thoughts on Kittle's post-game comments where he has suggested that players, some players aren't trying 100%? Right. Do you think that there is dissent in the locker room or is this frustration? So I listened to that interview and my takeaway from it was, you know, the, the, the throws that were dropped, it was Werner and I can't remember who the other guy was. Ray, Ray McLeod. Right. So these are players that are given an opportunity to shine, okay, to make their mark. And um, <laughs> I hate to say it, but they sit the bed. Right. Yeah, yeah. And... <laughs> This is an extreme thing to do because what will happen is they either become heroes or they're or they're vilified. There's nothing in between. Okay, so you either a miracle or you're just awful, and both of them did awful. You know, if either one of those grabs had been completed, or dare I say both, we'd be cooing about how great the depth we have. You know. Yeah, yeah. So I think what George Kittle was inferring there was that they didn't take their chance to shine. And in the NFL, you seldom get that opportunity again. Once it's gone, it's gone. Yeah. Well, it, it's something that we've always prided ourselves on, isn't it, as well? The sort of next man up kind of mantra. 
And if the next man up isn't performing, then like you say, Deepak, it, um, it leaves in a, a massive gap and it's, you know, almost career over, not career over, but their spell with the 49ers over, isn't it? I mean, when we're healthy, those guys won't get a look in there because they can't be trusted. Hmm. Martin Hughes wants to know, should we make a move for Christian McCaffrey as has been mooted? It looks like he's on his way out of Carolina. Should we go for him? Um, I personally believe we should take anybody that can help us win. You know, whether that's Odell Beckham Jr. or, or Christian McCaffrey. I think what we need to ask is, I don't think Carolina would be expecting a first-round pick for him, but on the same side of that coin, what have we got left to give up? You know, we've got no draft choices left. I think there's an element of McCaffrey. There's a lot of synergy between McCaffrey's dad, Kyle Shanahan. I think there's an element of him wanting to come because I think he he sees that in that in that, that Shanahan offense and that system, he will he'll get the production. Now, for me, McCaffrey is a you know he's a ground and pound type of back as well, but he's brilliant out of the backfield, and that would give us a, a legitimate star at the running back position, which would draw attention from defenses and free up even more space for George Kittle and for. Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. I just think it's if if he wants to come and we can get him, it would be, it's an absolute no brainer because Elijah Mitchell was great in his rookie year, but he's still a little bit unproven. But he most had disappeared, and then Jeff Wilson has got you know like we say he's got fumble issues. So I just think it'd be too good to turn down. Simon, you just said you know he's got great speed. He's a tough north south runner, explosive yeah. out of the backfield as a receiver. You just described juice. He's underused. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> he, he is, but he's not. He's not the same level of quickness as McCaffrey, and he's not going to draw. You know, it's a specific kind of play that, that that where a fullback gets involved, where it's normally where he's he slips off a blocking assignment. Whereas, obviously, with McCaffrey, he'd be yeah. He'd be but a McCaffrey, McCaffrey would have something he wouldn't. Uh, he doesn't have in Carolina. He would have a fullback who really opens. The lanes for him. Yeah, absolutely. And a blocking tight end as well, like George Kittle. Yeah, and and blocking wide receivers who love to uh, pancake uh, a cornerback or a safety. So, cat among the pigeons. Do we have the head coach that could make use of him? Uh, <laughs> I can give. Kyle Shanahan is an offensive, offensively minded head coach. We yeah. have no offense. Well. Okay, so I see him as an offensive coordinator. I've always said I don't see Shami as really being a head coach. Okay. Do you think he's wearing too many hats? Yeah, I do. I think he needs to be a coordinator. I don't think he has the nouts to be a proper, proper head coach. I mean, if you remember the season we went to the Super Bowl, one of the things we were screaming about every game was how many penalties we were yielding. There's penalties here, penalties there. When's he going to fix that? Penalties is, comes from bad discipline. And whose job is it to discipline? It's a coach's job to discipline, you know. So I agree that there's nobody better in the NFL at X's and O's than Shani. But he needs to be able to do more. And I'll give you another example. His time management, clock management. It's not brilliant, is it, boys? Let's be honest. You know? No, shoddy, shoddy, shoddy it's, Shani. It's, it's nowhere near as bad as we've had in the past. But it's still not great. No, it's it is quite poor his clock management, and and again, you know, we we find ourselves in situations where we've got 
a limited amount of time in the second quarter and a score would you know strengthen our lead or or give us some momentum for the, for the third quarter and every single time Shanahan would rather run out the clock and see out the quarter without doing anything and it drives me absolutely insane when he does that you know I'm like why are you doing this so conservative isn't it so conservative and and, I, and and again you know that is a critical juncture of a game just going into the second half sorry just at the, towards the end of the second half because you know you're making a real statement if you can do something in that time because if you score the other team are going to go in half time with another score that's against them and it's more work that they have to do in the third quarter you you are literally ripping the heart out of them you know but we just don't do that. We, we we just do not. Okay, so I'll just say it another way. No matter how good we are, no matter how well we play, we will always leave an in for the other team to get in, to get back into the game. Always. There will always be a way for the other team to get back into the game. No matter who we're playing against, that always happens. And, uh, and I don't like it. I really don't like it. I want us to see us run up the score and really bully somebody, you know. I want Shanahan to take the risks that's going to make the job easier on this defense because this defense can only be elite as long as it's refreshed and rested. Once it starts to tire and it's gone mentally, then it's screwed. You know, it's um, it's like having um, very low battery on your phone. It doesn't matter if it's an iPhone 14. If there's a Nokia that's fully charged, that thing's going to make a call. This thing won't, you know. Hi, all. It's Kat Victorino, former host of the Frequency 49 show and hopefully soon to be returning co-host. I have a question for the panel. After the Falcons' loss, uh, both Fred Warner and George Kittle made some statements around uh, the loss and the potential reasons, and I find that they're talking about effort. To quote George Kittle, we have a standard to play at. We played a very high level with a lot of energy and 100% effort on every play. I haven't watched the tape yet, but I don't know if we gave that today at every single position. Now, I find this interesting. Fred Warner also made similar comments, although I haven't been able to track those down yet. Um, he did say it felt soft out there. We weren't knocking back. That's on us. That's something we can control. That was Fred Warner. So tell me, guys, what do you think? Are we done making excuses for the injuries? Did that team come out and just not perform at the level they're supposed to perform at? Or were we really just missing seven of our 11 defensive starters? Talk to you guys soon. Okay, so who wants to start with answering that one? Um, I, mean, I mean, George Kittle is a, is a uh, you know, he's a guy who sets the standards and you know, if he feels that it hasn't been a hundred percent, and particularly someone like Fred Warner, their captains on both sides of the ball, is that that's how they must have felt, and they must have felt it out there. And you know, uh, sometimes rosters can be self-policing; it doesn't necessarily need, you know, the the, the coaches and the backroom staff to point stuff out. And if you know, if they're they're noticing it on the field, then you know, perhaps it'll do some of the players good to hear it out loud and. You know, they perhaps take some responsibility and looking at themselves if they haven't, you know, given a hundred and ten percent, and we won't see it again. And, um, you know what Kittle said was it really aimed at any one person or not? You know, um, I think if you read between the lines, there's a lot of people. If they heard that, 
would want to look at the ground and think, shit, he's talking about me, you know. But who else could he be point, pointing the fingers at? Because let's be honest, I, I'm not going to say this was a bad day at the office. I'm going to say this was a collectively bad day that we've seen before this season. So it's not just a one-off game, you know. And I think Kittle could quite legitimately make the claim that there were several teammates who weren't pulling their weight in this game, you know. Not just those two that we mentioned, but but several others as well, you know. Uh, starting, I mean, and again, it, it would be reticent not to mention the injuries, okay? I mean, without a left tackle in, like Trent Williams and then McGlinchey went as well, you know. Just, just what more can we do? You know, it, it's really tough for this team. But I think, the, to me, something seems off in their heads. Something doesn't seem right. It just, something isn't clicking, you know. I don't know what it is, but I don't like it. Because we should not be losing games like these. You know, we really shouldn't. Um, these are meat and drink games for a team like us. You know, we should not yeah. be losing them. A quick question from Nathaniel James. We are top of the NFC West. Are we still that worried? Uh, well, we were... well, I mean, we're only top of the NFC West by... Uh, by the heads-to-heads, aren't we? We're, um, there's three teams at three and three in the NFC West. So, what one one more loss, and we're not we're possibly down in third place in the NFC West. The, the NFC West was was less competitive last season, and we still qualified with when we were three and five to go into the NFC yeah. Championship game. So, you could make the point that it's still a little early. You know, that it wasn't a divisional loss, which would have been absolutely gargantuan if that was a different yeah. game uh, so technically I don't think it's the end of the world but I think the bigger problems that we've got are not going to be fixed during the course of this season um, but it's you just don't know what you're going to get with this team they're so inconsistent and unpredictable yeah I completely agree I think my worry is probably I mean the Rams suck against us but they are a team that are capable of putting five, six wins together. Whereas if we play anywhere near the level that we played on on Sunday, is that you know we're not we're going to be less than five hundred, you know, for a, a vast amount of the season. And you know, like I say, we we did it last year, but can we do it two year, two years on the bounce? Is that really likely? I don't think so. So we need it needs to change. It needs to change now. One last question before we take a look at the preview for next week or for this weekend's game. Um, should the podcast host ever be allowed to predict scores and spreads again? Yeah, you're going to talk pick six where I'm terrible at that. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, this wouldn't. I think we should just keep our mouth shut, you know? Yeah. <laughs> if, if it's to, okay, I would like to say something about the last two questions. Uh, yeah, we wanted to stop you there. Um, um, first of all, Kat's question um, about K- Kittle and Warner. I think uh, they just did their job. They didn't name uh, someone specific, like Deepak said, and they uh, they did what a, a captain has to do. They criticized the team for lackluster play, and I really like that. Uh, I don't want uh, a cap, a team captain who is uh, not doing his job, and they did their job. And um, 
I think uh, we all know uh, in the locker room, their words were much more specific and much more aimed at the person they, they, they meant. Um, but uh, they did what they were supposed to do as team captains. And I really like that. And the second question is, I, I don't, uh, I personally don't look at the NFC West at the moment because at the moment everything is open for the grabs uh, with uh, Seattle playing extremely good for uh, for what we saw where they were playing uh, at the beginning of the season. And the Rams uh, play extremely bad uh, for what we saw what they play at the end, uh, beginning of the season. So I don't look at the the whole NFC West at the moment. We have to win our games no matter where uh, what standing we have. And um, at the moment, uh, we're a fifth, uh, at 500, so we're not really doing our jobs. So we have to uh, get better there. Yeah, I, I can't agree with you more, Michael. Um, I, th- I think we all sort of echo those words as well. Looking forward to this weekend's game, we are taking on uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. The all-time series is tied at seven apiece, um, with four of the last five, uh, with four of the last five being won. Although the Niners have won five of the last six when played in the Bay Area. The last meeting was Super Bowl Fifty Four, uh, where the Chiefs sort of destroyed us in the in the fourth quarter. There, I don't want to dwell on that. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to dwell on that. That was not a pleasant game to watch, was it? What What are your views going into this weekend's game against against Kansas? Um, I'm, I'm, I, I touched on it earlier. I, you know, I wouldn't be at all surprised if we won that game because we came off against the Denver game and then just we did all but run up the score and dismantle the Rams in a blowout. You know, so it is possible. The Chiefs are definitely beatable. You know, we're not as bad as we say we are, but we're not as good as we think we are either. You know, so somewhere in there exists this happy medium. I think it's going to largely depend on the attitude of the players. Playing at home is going to be really good advantage for us. My head says we will probably lose, but my heart says, you know, we've got the win in us. You know, it wouldn't at all surprise me if we won. But, you know, if last week is the barometer, then no chance. I don't think the Chiefs are as good as they have been over the last couple of years as well. Obviously, they've they've lost key personnel, Tyreek Hill um, and a few others. I mean, I don't think that they are quite as strong as uh, as they have been. So uh, it's a lot more even matchup, I think. This and obviously home field advantage. You know, you'd expect us to win any game against anybody home field, but you know, like you say, um, I agree with Dip. I think I think we can win whether we do or not is. Uh, is up to the team on, on the day when uh, see whether they turn up or not. I think we have an advantage in this game. Everybody expects us to lose. Uh, it's it's a big bad Chiefs, and everybody expects us to lose. And uh, I think we should do uh, what uh, the Falcons did to us. We should uh, rip a, a page out of that book and uh, play against the odds. We've got some uh, some guys who are out injured expected to return this weekend against Kansas. That could make a hell of a difference to the game, couldn't it? We could see Javon Kinlaw back. Uh, we could possibly see Trent Williams back as well. 
Uh, Nick Bosa as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is he is he confirmed? Yes. Uh, I think he's more likely than um, he's more likely than Kinlaw. I think I think Kinlaw's been placed on IR, hasn't he? But um, I think it's Bosa and Trent Williams. But obviously that's in the trenches, and those are two, you know, elite players, if not the best players in their given position in the league. So any team in the NFL would miss them. But so to have them back would be a huge, huge plus. Yeah, especially against uh, against uh, the the top defense player of the Chiefs. Um, I can't remember his name at the moment, but he doesn't need to be important. Uh, but uh, that Trent Williams is back is a huge boost for the offense line. I mean, the offense line played lights out until now, even without him. But uh, it's it's a huge boost, and uh, we don't still don't know what it's about McGlinchey, who uh, left uh, the game early too. And um, if those two are back, I think our, our offense line will be the strongest they uh, were uh, were this season. And uh, then Nick Bosa back uh, couldn't couldn't be better for our team, but. Uh, we have to get our heads out of the sand and uh, play that game and show the Chiefs that we are not just a team in the way. Do you know what, I, Michael, I so agree with you because I was looking at the stats. Garoppolo didn't get sacked once, did he? And there were times when he had so much time to throw the ball. You know, he was very, very well protected. And don't forget, mm. this is without Trent Williams, you know, so... I think we need to give the offensive line a bit of respect for what happened on for the, for the game on Sunday. They weren't terrible. They did their job, you know, and I think that's the difference that makes the difference. But really, can we contain Mahomes? We're usually horrendous against mobile quarterbacks. We have no answer for them. You know? Don't say it. We, don't no, say it. We don't. We <laughs> no, don't, we don't. You're you right. Know? Whether it's Kyler Murray or... Russell Wilson, we, we just don't know what to do with them, you know. And uh, if we can shut him down, then, then they're beat. And the Chiefs have got losses in them, you know, lost to Buffalo, who, who themselves have got losses in them, you know. So this could go anyway, either way, you know. I don't think we should be overly surprised whichever way it goes. I think we're heavily favoured underdogs, which, as Michael said, suits us because nobody's expecting us to win. But this season, just look at the pick six. It's full of topsy turvy results. It's bonkers. Yeah, you know. So it's a very even NFL, isn't it? This year, it's definitely in the NFC. Less so in the AFC. The NFC, has, well, the NFC's got the Eagles at six and zero, and then the rest, mm-hmm. you know. But would you have said the Eagles are a six and zero team for real? You know, Eagles well, six and zero. Think about that. I know. You know, it's it doesn't bear thinking about, does it? No. If someone was to tell you going into week six, seven, sorry, that there'd be a team in the NFC that's unbeaten, you wouldn't have said it was Philadelphia. No, absolutely not. You know, you might have said it was us or the Rams, maybe, <laughs> but definitely not Philly. This is a season where the Jets and the Giants both have winning records so far. <laughs> so that tells you everything you need to know about this season. It does. Well, the Jets and the Giants have got a combined record of seventeen and three, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, it's something crazy like that, yeah. And both both teams, uh, the Jets and the Giants, have a better record than the 49ers at the moment. Um, one, uh, the Jets are four and two, and the 
the Giants are five and one. I mean, five and one Giants. Who would have bet that before the season? But I think we need to ask ourselves certain questions here. Are these teams good or have they got better? Uh, I, I think for the Giants, definitely it's it's a coaching change. Um, they, they have a better coach now and... Uh, I mean, Dabol, uh, or, or how you speak him, is the guy who made uh, Josh Allen. And I mean, you you see that you see that his uh, his work has impact for the Giants. And I, I think uh, the, the 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 Jets are now uh, finally found their way with Saleh. And I think the only thing that's holding them back is the quarterback. Yeah. They've unleashed. They've unearthed a diamond in. Um, is it uh, Brees? They brought him back. He looks a very good player. But again, I just want to talk about the Jets a little bit, if I may. You know, who's their head coach? Robert Sala. Not Mo Sala. What was he? <laughs> he was our. He was our defensive coordinator. Who's our defensive coordinator now, and how good is he? You know, are we going to lose another defensive coordinator? Well, we spoke about this last week, didn't we? Yeah, you know, I mean, these jobs are going to be dangled in front of these guys. They're young, they're ambitious. Could you honestly blame them for not wanting to take take that up? You know, and, and it adds weight to the argument about about Shani being a, a head coach as well, doesn't it? Is that there's potential for all these guys to step up, and they're not. There's no availability for them to do it while he's in the hot seat. So we we could potentially be losing potential head you know head coach candidates. We we could have a very real scenario where Shani's fired and Demarco Ryan's is promoted internally. No, that could happen. I mean, we did with Tom Sula, didn't we? <laughs> I think her cousin would say you like that. <laughs> <laughs> We're going into the game. Um, the Forty Nine is a three and a half point underdog. But for the last six Chiefs games have been decided by four points or less. It looks like it's going to be a tight game. Uh, the the 49ers are first in offense, adding, uh, averaging almost 30 points a game. Uh, sorry, the, the Chiefs are first in offense, averaging almost 30 points a game. The 49ers are averaging 20 points a game. But if you look on the defensive side of the ball, the Chiefs are 25th in points allowed with almost 25 points a game. And the 49ers are second in points allowed with almost 15 points a game. So um, we, we, we've, we've got the stronger defence if our defence is firing properly. All we can do is hope that the defence turns up in full and the offence is there to back them up because that's, that seems to have been the 49ers over the past few years. But that means nothing if the offence doesn't put points on the board. You know, exactly, yeah. To beat Kansas City, you need to be putting up at least 27 points. Well, look at two of the three wins that we've got this year. The defense has put points on the board, yeah, to, to help the offense out. So that's yeah. skewed things ever so slightly, anyway. Yeah, well, this offense needs to put up at least twenty-seven points uh, for us to have a realistic chance of winning. I mean, our D can shut them down, but with you know, and yeah, D wins championships and all the rest of it. But you've got to put some points on the board against these sorts of teams. You really do. Yeah. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. it's an offense. If an off, it's an offense friendly league, isn't it? It's not like you know, even the two thousand and one Ravens were, were winning games nine three and twelve six. It just doesn't happen anymore, does it? Trent, Unless it's Monday night football. Under Trent Dilfer, the, right. <laughs> well, the one yeah. question is how many times uh, do the do the uh, referees overlook holdings against Bosa again, like in the Super Bowl? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll uh, we'll we'll wrap things up for this uh, for this episode, for this week's show. We're taking a quick look at the pick six after week six. Weekly winners: Nathaniel James, Stephen Box, Mark Baylor, and Lisa Watson all scored five points this week. The table after week six: James Little is sat on top on twenty eight points. Kim Esgard Sorensen is on twenty three points, and Stephen Box, Kieran Walton share third place with twenty two points. On the admin the host table, James is top. Stephen Box is second on 22. Nathaniel James is in third place on 21, followed by Graham, Ro- uh, Graham Ross and Sam Holdsworth on 19 points. Deepak's on 18. He's not doing too bad on 18 points. Uh, Michael's on 17 points and Mark Lyon is on 11 points. I think we'll wrap it up there for the show, guys. Isn't there one more person on that list, Paul? Uh, yeah, it could be me. <laughs> yeah, I, I gave you a week in advance, so uh, I would get you at the end. Just <laughs> Paul doing his Leicester City impression. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, we won't talk about me and my picks on this one. It's, uh, it's been absolutely shocking. Uh, well, that's it for the show this week. Thank you to everyone who is involved in producing the show. Um, thank you to my co-hosts, Deepak Gohill, Simon Holdsworth, and Michael Wandai. No problem. Pleasure. Cheers, guys. Absolute pleasure. It's always a pleasure to be here and to say it in my native language, danke. Do you know, there we go. I love having him on our show. I, I love Michael's insights, his contribution, and his positivity. You know, I used to think, I used to say, Michael, friend of the show, you know, Michael, you're not a friend of the show. You're part of the family. Yeah, he is the show. Yeah, yeah, you, are part part of the show. <laughs> you know, you are one of us. Uh, that is it for the show. <laughs> That's it for the show, guys. Uh, I'm Paul MacDonald. You've been the audience. And this has been the Frequency 49 show. Bye for now.